0: Hmm. Recorded live. Well, I don't know what happened there, but I either got fat fingers or something, and either clicked the no on that record button or clicked uh, the yes, and it it terminated the call. So I've got to assume it was uh, operator error, and uh, so I dropped everybody out. So sorry about that. It's okay. You forgive me? <laughs> yes. So no, you die. Uh, Well, I didn't claim to be the sharpest tacky in the uh, toolbox, but
1: uh, I tell.
0: Uh, so anyhow, Jeremiah was saying that he didn't think maybe I had answered your dad's question uh, as to whether or not we're in sin by using the. The paper currency and I was beginning to say how in the scriptures we're instructed to have our watchmen and um, and had referred to the scripture in Ezekiel about God's example that he shared with Ezekiel. If you set a watchman about your coast and he sees the sword coming or the calamity and he fails to sound the trumpet to warn the people, the people will die in their iniquity but the blood he will require at the hand of the watchman. Adversely, he says, if you set the watchman and he sees the sword coming and he sounds the trumpet, but the people take not warning and heed the warning, then they likewise will perish in their iniquity, but the blood he will require at the hand of the people. And such is the case that I think that we find ourselves in is that we have our administrative watchmen who are supposed to watch over the administration of God's administration, His statutes for the the nation of Israel. Israel being the Israelites, uh, Jacob, Israel, and He has adjudicative watchmen who are supposed to carry out the judgments. And he has the ecclesiastical watchmen, which are the the priesthood or the ecclesiastical leaders who are to see to it that the other two watchmen are adhering to their appropriate duties. So, are we in sin because we use it? Well, we weren't the ones who were part of the uh part part of the administrative watchmen who failed. So in that sense, no, we're not guilty of that sin.
1: Okay. Okay. So so the answer is I use it, but I'm not guilty of anything wrong.
0: Well, because
1: I'm let me, not the one created
0: it well, I wasn't done, so <laughs> we have the adjudicative watchmen, and they have failed in seeing to it now do you, down you, know, another, the, do you know another word for adjudicative Does judicial judicial judgment
1: okay, so the judicial uh, watchers
0: yeah ju- ju-, ju- judicative so you take okay. off the ad and say judicative in other judicative. words the judges those who would be responsible in the administrative arm of carrying out the judgment okay and then the ecclesiastical watchmen which are the 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 spiritual leaders who are to see to it that they're the they the third branch, if you will. To see to the other that the other two, the other two the, are being created. This,
1: this is in Ezekiel?
0: No, in that's in Ezekiel eighteen about the watchmen.
1: But I mean about uh, what
0: you're talking about right now. No, I'm I'm giving my understanding and my explanation um about uh how God views this. He views it... Um, I
1: know, but you base it on Scripture, yeah. I'm sure.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I am. I based yeah. it on, first of all, the law. So we go back to Deuteronomy. And he says that you're supposed to have just weights and measures, all right? So we had an administrative watchman who established a currency based upon a foundational basis of sound currency, which was gold and silver.
1: Okay, many years
0: ago. Right, many years ago. So in that sense, you and I are not responsible for what, as Christ said, or as the scripture says, that we're not responsible for the sins of the father or the son responsible for the sin of a father, right? Okay, amen. so. What?
1: I said amen.
0: All right, so, but what God is conveying to Ezekiel here is he he's relating the principle of the watchman to him. And says, when these watchmen are there to do their jobs and they don't do that, people perish. You see, and that's what's happening to us, Russell, you're perishing in 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 economic ways, you are perishing. boy, that's the truth and and your children's children are perishing because they're in servitude and bondage, okay? So then we went to the adjudicative watchmen, which were supposed to carry out judgments concerning the violations of the law, and now we're at the ecclesiastical watchmen. So the ecclesiastical watchmen have also fell short in that they did not raise a peep. As the scripture says, they're all like dumb dogs. They, they can't bark. They don't know how to bark. They don't know how to sound a warning. In fact, when they try to sound a warning, they sound a false warning. And so this is where we are at. So in that sense, we have not guilt, but we are also to be the watchmen. So that's what we do, is we continue to sound the trumpet so that God sees that we are sounding the trumpet. Otherwise, we're just, like everybody else, just going along to get along. And I think that that's very clear in Scripture, that that's what separates those who are going to have a place at the tree of life and those who will
1: not. Now, does that answer the question? Uh, For me... No, it doesn't really answer the question. I don't. I don't get how that has to. I don't get it. No, we're we're playing a game with phony money, and we're all doing it, and
0: and we're and we're perishing as a result of it. But yeah.
1: we well, continue. here's the thing. There, there has to be a remedy. There is. And and what did Jesus say in the final analysis?
0: Obey him.
1: <laughs> yes, he did.
0: And he said, obey my laws. There isn't a thing that passes away. If you want access to the tree of life, and you want life abundantly, and uh-huh. you want my and you want my will to be being done on this earth as it is in heaven, then you uh-huh. abide in I abide in you. So I was saying to my son tonight, I said, Jeremiah, you know that if the ecclesiastical leaders, the administrative watchmen, and the adjudicative watchmen all came forward and said, just as they did in, in some of the stories we read in the Bible that say a king read the law, rent his clothes, and began to follow the law. So the moment we
1: as a people make that transition to do that, those woes are no longer upon us, are they? Um My question to you is: is we're not we're all scattered all over the place. We're not we're not one group. I don't know how you how you get it back to those circumstances.
0: Well, that that is the hard that is the hard sell, as it sometimes is said, and that's the conflict that rages inside of you is not so much knowing what the answer is, but not knowing how to make it come about. And the only examples we have for that is crying out to God under the oppressions and the burdens. That's um, it right there. And knowing
1: that's, that's all that's left for us.
0: And knowing that which we are supposed to do, and by continuing to to educate. Look, in nearly every generation of people, people become newly educated about things that they should have known. And it's no consolation because it's late. I understand that. And as we find out, as every generation continues every 20 years, being a generational cycle of 20-year-olds or whatever, um, we get into another situation where that previous generation has now learned some things and maybe even uh, understood, you know, things like the tax code or this or that or the funny money or, you know, any one of the other things that we learn or even
1: uh-huh. learn about
0: what were, things we should have known, you know, scripturally. So mm-hmm. it, that's, as I say, it's hardly a consolation because we feel like it's too little, too late, too often, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But mm-hmm. I hold on to the hope that Christ taught us, and that is when we make that about faith, I hold on to that hope that, that uh, um, uh, um, oh, what was his name? <laughs> um, Jonah. I kept on to say Noah, but I couldn't couldn't spit it out. You know, Jonah um did not want to see those people repent and 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 have God heal their land. Um similarly other times in Bible in Bible stories we have where they repented of things they had done wrong, but it did not cause it did not stop the suffering and the pain of the trajectory that they were on. And I believe the Scripture is clear that our duty and our obligation is to continue to sound the warning and continue to sound the trumpet. We are caught in it, but we are not partakers of it in the sense that we turn a blind eye and that's that's the lesson that God teaches us about sin. It's one thing to have sinned, and it's another to deny your sin. The one who acknowledges the sin stands before God more justified than the one who says, no, I haven't sinned. I'm justified because the people before me did it. And I'm just trying to make it known in our minds that we need to make sure that we correctly stand before our Creator and explain that we continue to sound the warning and I don't frankly know that we'll even have to explain. I think it'll it'll be obvious and known. Um I, I think that's how God reads us and knows our hearts is through our uh you know, our our DNA strain can can he can determine the everything that we've ever thought and considered and and even engaged, because it's all recorded in the DNA strain. It's all in the DNA memory. May not may not be the answer you're looking for. It may not be, I guess, as sufficient as one might like, but the way I see the biblical record is we are supposed to continue to tell about it, we are supposed to continue to confess the transgression. We're to continue to bring the people as the watchmen to the understanding. And it'll be up to God to deliver us at the time in which he believes delivery is warranted. Isn't that the what he's shown and taught us? Is that spot. Go ahead.
1: So you're not saying that justifies their actions, surely?
0: Uh, what justifies w- what actions?
1: This commission you just talked about. To sound the trumpet. Sounding the trumpet justifies...
0: The action, what do you mean? Well, you just
1: said we are to sound the trumpet.
0: Yes. And
1: live amongst them, correct? And have a thin consciousness, correct? Or did I miss something?
0: A thin consciousness or an acute consciousness or whatever?
1: A thin consciousness.
0: Uh, oh, wearing... yes, same, yeah, a sin constant. Absolutely, yes. Now now does that you know, Russell, you and I've talked about some of these things before. Um we try to minimize our footprint in terms of, of how we um partake of the sin of of an unlawful currency. We we know the user's practice. Therefore, we try to minimize uh, the use of, of a banking institution, although they keep tightening the noose tighter and tighter around us to where it becomes more and more necessary. Uh-huh. Um, and um, you know, we know that if we deposit $10,000 uh, uh, know, into a financial institution that they're going to lend out 10 to 20 times that to our fellow brethren. And so we we can try to do all the things that we can recognize that we can do in an effort to minimize their abilities but at the same time we realize that that is very small scale and and it's what we do as a person of conscience that tries to you know not participate in whichever ways we can, but, um, so, he's, he's clearly understands, because he showed us in his biblical record, constantly, that those who love wickedness, and desire, to, practice wickedness, they don't have the love of God in them, they don't, they don't serve, A God of righteousness who wants people to be treated in accordance with his will. So knowing that this exists, it's our job and our responsibility not to put these people in charge. And he's given us all these blueprints and all these plans how not to do this. But invariably, those who love wickedness and those who thrive off of it and disregard God, his creation, his creative order, they don't care. So we know all this, we see all this, but that's why he told us to be separate from those types of people and to be watchmans over our nation. So I say that we get a pass in a certain sense because of how God explains the principle to Ezekiel But, as dutiful watchmen, we continue to sound the trumpet. We continue to sound the warning, and we abide by and live in accordance with everything that we can abide by and live in accordance with in order to further the kingdom, rather than to destroy it and tear it down. (coughs) So, as I say, it may not be much of a consolation. You may not like the answer. And as, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, well, what hold we hold Well, hold
1: on. Why wouldn't I like the
0: answer? Well, you should like the answer. Well, because if it's logical, answer,
1: but you've made that statement twice. It may not be what you want to hear. Why wouldn't I want to hear the logical truth?
0: Well, because you don't feel that there's an answer in it. That's what I mean by it may not be what you want to hear because Uh, the the answer doesn't just all of a sudden, because that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants a quick solution. And there is a quick solution, believe you me. You and I both know if we turned on the dime to follow after the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to be true watchmen ecclesiastically, adjudicatively, and administratively, this thing is done. It's over, and the people who are in this land either no, agree I, to live. I don't.
1: I don't know that if me and you do that, it is over. It, it may right. be over for us. I mean,
0: um, I don't, maybe maybe the term "it's over." I mean, this system is over. I mean this this unlawfulness and wickedness of usury in the land, which kind of started the conversation a couple of weeks ago.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And and um and these things that we lament, that's what I mean would be over. So I mean, it just takes me yeah. and you doing that?
1: No. It it's it's it takes the nation doing that. Okay, well, there's my problem right there. This is a nation of half-breeds. I know we're, it. We're in the minority, Doug. I, I'm beginning to think there's. we're going to have to hurry to hit 133,000. I'm seriously, uh, this man, Donald Trump, that was just just elected president is nothing but a Trojan horse and millions and millions of people bought into it and I've lost my train of thought he's supposed to be the leader of the country Did I lose you?
0: No, I'm just listening so that you can carry your thought.
1: Yeah, I I don't know that I can carry it. I've blanked up.
0: Well, you started I mean, with you need to get to 133,000 fast, and I'm assuming you mean in reference to a small enough number that God will will act in our behalf. Yeah,
1: that was that thought, but. I'll get it back, I'm sure
0: well, I mean, where yes.
1: we are uh I mean it's everywhere I look i'm let me give you an example. Let's just take insurance insurance I believe maybe God wanted us to be personally responsible. So sort of like, I mean, he's our insurance, but he clearly told Joseph to save some food for a famine, didn't he?
0: Yeah.
1: So so Joseph was self-insured, wouldn't he? Yeah. He, He didn't need farmers. But... I have insurance on this house. Now, does that mean I have no faith? Does that mean I'm participating in usury uh i I'm sure the insurance people are thickened up thick in the stock market, but I'm not doing it. The state of Texas forces me at gunpoint to have car insurance you don't it's not like you have a choice Uh, see the difference between me and Richard I've been thinking about this Richard says we can't follow the law you remember him saying that over and over yeah And I don't believe Jesus would Give us something we couldn't do But I do think sometimes Maybe we don't know how to follow the law Number one And number two Maybe we don't know the law Because you brought it to my attention About the tithe uh, Several years ago and correct me if I'm wrong, but, it, but it, was, it was illustrated to me through your study of the Word of God that, that the situation changed as far as the tithe goes to the priest of that time. Now, you didn't say a person could not take a gift or an offering and... Freely pass it out to those in need Did you No I did not So to me As a matter of fact You illustrated to me And I believe it to be so That it's You're more accountable If you're the one handing it out You get to pick The I guess the Holy Spirit Puts it on your heart some people that need help would you yep. observe? so so uh, was tithing a law
0: tithing the tithing the, the tithing
1: was it one of God's laws I don't remember Did I lose you?
0: No. No, I, oh. I, I I, waited for you to finish that thought. No. Uh, was, no. Tithing,
1: was tithing a law? I don't recall reading that tithing was a law. And I'm asking you, do you know
0: if it was a law or not? Well, yeah. In Deuteronomy, God has several instances where he, he uh, commands that the children of Israel bring forth Various offering offerings, so we have that, you know, uh, um, you know, in in Deuteronomy and and Leviticus, uh, uh-huh. Numbers. Well, I guess uh, so. So there are examples of where God commands us to to give. Um, now, that giving was some of those. Givings were different than a tithe. The tithe as it was was given to the levites and I that was Doug, but
1: was okay. that a law no to, to give it to was the levites the... was not a law of god was it
0: right it was part of the ordinances that were added 430 years later
1: right okay and that particular ordinance does not exist today, does it? No. Okay, so we have an example of something changing in, from then to this current time we live in now. Uh, there must have been some change. And the way things work from there to there. Well,
0: as I've tried to point out in the past, is that there is a, um, in law, it's called
1: the, um, oh, now I've gone a blank, uh, the, uh, well, in- let me, the, in- let, let me change to something else that's come come up on my mind. We were taught at their former ministry that if one had not been baptized, one was outside of the family, right? Of God. I mean, that was the manifestation. That was the litmus test. Do you remember that?
0: Well, well, the characterization that you're using, I don't know. You know that.
1: Well, I, I don't I, know. I, I skipped subjects uh, what? because I, I changed subjects because I was thinking about this this morning. Yeah. What they, What they were teaching us was not baptized. Not a Christian, or something of that effect, do you remember?
0: Um, well, that's what I said. I'm not sure the characterization is kind of the way I always perceived it, but um baptism was for the remission of sins, and I believe that was always the way pastor conveyed it. Um I didn't think that he conveyed it as meaning that. That somehow puts you in some different status other than being baptized for the remission of sins is is where you make contact with oh. that that act of repentance and are accessing that holy spirit to to be in and with and upon you, so that's always the way I saw the characterization of. Um, not so much that well that's what makes you a Christian or that's what puts you on the inside. I think there are some who characterized it like that but I think that's an I error.
1: Think, I think it I think there were and there are and I think you're right because because how do we know how do we know other people's relationship with God?
0: Well, you know, in the baptism message that I did, there are several different scriptures, for example. I can turn you to a scripture that says that if you believe, you're saved. Um, Likewise, we can turn to a scripture that says um, uh, uh, if you are...
1: uh, But, but, But hold that thought just a minute. If you believe, you're saved. Then we have to we have to go into the whole thing about what does believe mean.
0: Well and what does saved mean, right. Yeah.
1: And it might just be I mean you you brought up some points, some very valid, valid points. And basically you said preconceived notions and ideas that might be wrong, and could be are wrong. Uh, that we just—that's—it's like that pan. That why did Mama use that size pan for the roast? Because yep. her mama did. And um, so the question then becomes. How do you separate fact from fiction? How do you how do you say yeah that I'll, that was a myth? Well, it takes courage sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. When you, when you finally realize a load of baloney. That you've been swallowing for all these years And and I know the pastor used to say I, I know Because I used to teach it uh, So That thought came to me As I was thinking this morning About people That perhaps uh n- never knew the remission of sin
0: well, that's you know been a raging question for all of christendom is that you know uh is the one who is not baptized uh then not the saved uh using the term saved is the one who is not baptized then um, not counted in the kingdom of God, um, what we are given is by Christ himself the command to to do this thing and and in doing so, we would want to follow his example, we would want to follow the uh the purpose. Or the the legislative intent, if you will, of the command. And so, for one to baptize, uh, to be baptized, is making a public confession, a public confession of a desire to serve and follow after. It'd be the same way of us standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, saying, "All that the Lord has said, we will do." This is this is that same confession so we are commanded to make this confession of our of our faith similar to what I've tried to do on a t-shirt you know to make that confession and make that confession known so um that's the legislative intent okay if someone is not baptized is it in my prerogative to say to that person, "Well, then you're damned to hell"? No, it is not within my prerogative to say so. Although that is what a lot of church, you know, uh, leaders did for uh-huh. years and centuries. Okay, and That's now, true. yeah, and now many of them could care less whether you're baptized or not, because they've changed, you know, changed that as well. So. Um, our desire to do it is to express that commitment. As I say, it's, it's like our covenant with him to follow after those commands and that will. Does it mean we won't stumble? Absolutely not. Does it mean that God may not even put an adversary in our way. Absolutely does not mean that. So when you make that commitment though, is it, let's put it in a parent-child relationship. You put before a child a command, and do you not at times put a test before that child to see if they will obey the command? in total, or if they will obey part of the command? And the answer Um, is yes. Maybe you don't do it thinking about it, you know, or whatever, or maybe you do. But in either case, you are testing to see that the profession is true. For example, in Christ gave an example of the Son, whose father came to him and said, go into the field, or wherever it was, go do this. And he said, I will, but he went not. And to the other one, he says, I will, or uh, I will not, but he went. Afterward, he repented and went. Well, these, these, are, these are not just stories. These are examples of how Christ perceives us. If we say that we're gonna follow after him and then we don't follow him because we start going down another path, is it not within God's prerogative to try to kick that child in the rear or to set something in front of him that causes him to stumble and hit his nose to where he gets up and says, God, why are you doing this to me? And right there is the answer. He's finally recognized that all this stuff that's happening to him is happening to him because he made a commitment. And I'm speaking of myself here because I remember those days in my youth when I made these commitments and then the times in which I know that I stumbled and the times at which I could not understand what was happening to me and even cried out to God and lamented the fact that all these things were happening to me. And it was my feeble little mind and brain that finally made the realization, well, duh, You can't make a commitment and a covenant to do this or to be this way and then turn around and continue to ignore the covenant or the bond that you made. And this is exactly what God did with the Israelites. They made this agreement and this covenant, and they continued to reject and disregard it. So there's nothing new. There's nothing new in any of this. It's just new opportunities for us to see new examples of how he continues to extend grace to us to show us how to
1: follow after him. lose everybody no I'm thinking I'm thinking about this evening
0: Um, I'm going to go to a picture in chapter Luke the seventh chapter of Luke Um, we read of the centurion faith there which we've heard uh, of before under our former ministry as well But I'm talking specifically, uh, as we move into the uh, latter part of the chapter, um, beginning at verse 24 of Luke 7. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people. Well, maybe I should back up, um this is a this yeah let me go back up to uh, to eighteen this is when John sends his disciples to inquire as to Christ the redeemer and the disciples of John so I'm at verse eighteen uh, disciples of John showed him all of these things and John calling unto two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, Art thou thou that should come or look we for another?" And when the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist, John, John, the Baptist has sent, unto, sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come? Or look we for another. Now, I don't believe for a minute that John didn't know this because John already had met Christ at the river and baptized him and exclaimed who this individual was that he was unworthy to baptize. So he's doing this for the purpose of whom? He's in bonds, he's in jail. So now his disciples are now also beginning to question. So John does what a good leader does. He sends his disciples out to inquire of this next man who is being the watchman, if you will, who is carrying the, the information. And in that same hour, uh, it says, are thou, should we, should we come for or do we look for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way. Tell John what things you have seen and what you have heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. To the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So, that was a message from Christ right there to those apostles of John. And again, the word apostle simply means an instructor or teacher, and a disciple simply means a student. So, these disciples are, uh, of John, who had, gone on, uh, who had gone to ask Jesus, this was being done for, the, for their benefit, not for John's. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went you into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking with the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet, This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. So, that there is a pretty, um, it's a pretty telling point about what I'm trying to convey to you tonight about the fact that, this is a covenant. This is a covenant that one makes. And I was, as I was telling you about your daughter, who is about to make this decision, is she needs to understand this. She needs to be able to take the time to understand what this covenant and commitment means. Because this is where you are handing your life to God and saying, I will follow you. Do not let me down. Do not forsake me. If I stumble, pick me back up, extend me grace, but hold me accountable. And if you don't want that bargain, you best not ask to be baptized. Am I making sense?
1: Uh, To some degree you are. I don't. From what we've taught the children they i don't i don't know that they'd uh i don't, I don't know if they would be that point of understanding to decline, I don't know. But you want them to do the right thing and you want them to do it, not just for mommy and dad.
0: Oh, well, exactly, them- and and likewise, Russell, what I'm hearing from you all is you don't want them doing it because someone has said that that makes them in the in-group, do you? Correct. Because that's a false premise.
1: Absolutely. And so, I don't like to frame it like this and say you'd be better off not doing it at all if you didn't know what you were doing, but that's kind of correct.
0: Well, it is correct. Yeah. And they should not be baptized and... And no one should be baptizing anybody who is not able to make that confession and is not able to confess who
1: Christ is. I agree. And it's... It really shouldn't matter who's there watching. Because it's, um, uh, it's kind of like between you and God and Witnesses. Well, our example is given
0: to us in Matthew chapter 3. I'll begin with verse 13. Then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized again. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comes thou to me. Now, let's just stop here and let's ask ourselves what we learned. See, there's a lot more in those two sentences than just a few words. First of all, I'd like to make it a point of making it known that Jesus, Went from Galilee to Jordan
1: to be baptized
0: of John. I'm getting a lot of
1: feedback. I don't know where from.
0: Um, I don't. I hear it too, but
1: not for me. I keep my mic muted
0: when I'm not talking. It just um, stopped. Yeah, I think uh hey good evening, Central Massachusetts. I think it might be coming from your end. Maybe it's uh bouncing off a table or something, uh put something the
1: You still getting it now?
0: Yeah. It
1: stopped. Oh, now it's back. How's that?
0: All right, we'll try that. So when we stop there, the first thing to recognize is that Jesus comes from Galilee to Jordan. In other words, uh, Jesus made a little bit of a pilgrimage here, didn't he?
1: Yes.
0: So he 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 went out of his way to do something. Now, we know that Jesus was God in the flesh.
1: Uh, wouldn't it have been enough for God to have said, hey, servant, go tell John, come hither?
0: See, our Lord did things to show us a, a, a monumental example, and that's what he did. He showed us an example of where going out of your way to go do something to be true and to make that commitment. May not be much to people, but I like to look at the finer detail there, but John forbid him saying, "I need to be baptized of thee and comes out of me now. what can we learn in that? You see when when we teach our children, we then in the times to come, we decrease now just hear me out i Maybe it's a bad example. I'm not always the best at the examples, but see, we decrease, and somebody else increases and um I don't know if everybody understands what I'm saying about that, but that's exactly what's happening here is john is John you know is trying to decrease in his stature, even the scripture where they come to Christ and say hey, John, uh, or they come to John in prison and say, you know, Christ is baptizing more than you did. You see, that's supposed to make John feel bad, and it's supposed to make John have, you know, some emotional reaction that, you know, um, here I sit in prison, and, and but that's not the reaction he needs to have, because he realizes that he has to decrease in order for the other one to increase, and Maybe somebody doesn't see that in it either, but that's what I see in it. So, John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comes out of me. And uh, Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for, uh, for thus it be come of us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. See, there was a duty there to fulfill. Christ is our example showing us the duty, therefore, between John and them to fulfill. And that's what we try to do with our family members is express to them it's our duty to fulfill this, And we do this for the purpose of that you then become the next administrative leaders of the next generation. You are gifted and granted the Holy Spirit if you allow it to you know, to to work in you and to teach you and guide you all the rest of your days. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water and uh, to the heavens, uh, excuse me, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon it. And a voice said from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So here we have acceptance. We have obedience. Um, oh, I should probably put it the other way. First, we have an example. We have a a migration, uh, or uh, I don't know if that was the word I should have used, but uh, we have him traveling. To make this commitment, to do this uh, duty, to fulfill all righteousness, uh, John also fulfills it in doing so. We have the obedience of our example there, and then we have the acceptance of our heavenly Father. We could go to Acts two thirty-eight for a, a little more elaboration on the baptism. Go to John chapter twelve, verses twenty-six as well. So um, I I don't know exactly as we started to veer off in this, Russell. I think you're you're again struggling with things that you try to teach family and so forth about what our commands are. And you started out by saying maybe we don't understand the law and maybe we don't understand what those laws are and and what we're supposed to be abiding in. And then you asked about our former ministry, um, you know, conveying that, you know, essentially you're nothing if you're not baptized. And and I responded by saying I don't think that is an accurate conveyance. I think that Pastor Peter has always wanted to convey that baptism was for the remission of sins. If there were some people within the ministry or others in our walk, that that conveyed it as, you know, well, basically, if you're not baptized, you're nothing. If you're not baptized, you're not in the end group. If you're not baptized, you ain't going nowhere. You're not going to heaven. You ain't saved. Well, you ain't nothing. That's well, a just, terrible, terrible characterization, and it's wholly inaccurate scripturally.
1: Yeah, and let's just take it a little further. If you haven't had your sins remitted, then you're still carrying them with you, right?
0: When one's sins are remitted through the act of baptism for the remission of sins, Uh those sins are remitted. You are supposed to walk and sin no more. As the scripture says, when you go and sin again, you are asking Christ to be crucified for you again. And that's how serious this is and how much it ought to make us all reflect because we all know how easy it is for us to sin and to come against the will of God, even being baptized.
1: But that's that covenant and that
0: commitment that you make. And that's where you want those sins to be is consistently remitted so that the day you stand before him he says to the father
1: I've got this one covered
0: and if you think that it's going to be a drunkard a sluggard and a whoremonger, a sodomite a thief or you know a covetous uh, adulterer uh, any of those things I say go to Revelation 22, go to the back of the book, just like I told your brother when I was down there. And if you oh. can justify yourself in that, then you're going in. But if you can't justify yourself in that, then you got nothing coming. And the only way we can get that is by the the freely given blood of Christ.
1: And acknowledging
0: and acknowledging it, accepting it, understanding it, and consistently maintaining truth to it,
1: and seeking forgiveness whenever we fall from it. Where am I going wrong, rich? Rich, now we can't hear
0: you. Did you hit a mute button?
1: Oh, go ahead. What was your question again?
0: Oh, I said, where am I going wrong?
1: Not too far wrong. <laughs> not
0: just, not just, uh, he's, le- he's leaving a little bit of wiggle room there, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <noticed. laughs> yeah, well,
1: you're talking about baptism, and that's why we don't baptize babies. Yes. Yeah. They can't make a legal commitment.
0: That's another point that I I cover in that three part series on baptize baptism. I would highly encourage you and Sevy to take some time to go over those if if uh if you want and at some point Well, Uh, how old is
1: the person you want to baptize?
0: She's 20. Uh,
1: Yeah. Well, my my grandson wanted to be baptized, too. And um, it was while Pete was down in Florida visiting us. And so... um, And so he was talking to Pete about it. And, um, and so Pete said, well, he says, I have no doubt, you know, when you get older, you're going to be a young Samuel. And so my my um, grandson actually had a friend named Samuel, and he thought he was talking about him.
0: Oh. And,
1: uh, but he said, he said um, you, you know, he said, you're covered by your father's baptism right now. And, um, when you're of age, that's the time to make the commitment because you're not you can't legally make a commitment, but you're covered by your father's baptism
0: right, and she departs her father's house at some point, and her father's covering
1: well, she has her father's spiritual covering until she's of age.
0: No, that's what I said that's what I'm saying is that at one point. She'll be departing that covering, and this is yeah. why that, that decision and that commitment then is also to be made, so that she's she's covered by that blood, and and has made that a commitment before God in acknowledgement of Him.
1: Yeah, I think you got to they got to sort of trust God on that, but. You know, and I think Pete had it right, too, you know, as far as the age of consent. And, you know, it could probably go with age 20 because I think the, the Hebrews counted the nine months in the womb as part of the, the legal age.
0: So technically you're saying that that means that they're actually nearly 21.
1: They're really 21 from conception. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, anywhere right around there, I think, would be close enough. Well, and again. At that stage,
0: you know, I know it's
1: expected. Right. But by no means, by no means would I say
0: that anyone should ever do it just because people are saying that they should. They yeah. should do it fully fully understanding and acknowledging what it is. And mm-hmm. the best way to do that is with some help. And that's why Pastor's done some messages. That's why it was one of the first series of messages that I did also uh, after Pastor's passing because I felt like this baptism... Was going to be slightly, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess kind of what you started out saying is that if if it becomes such a routine or a mundane thing that people just are are relaying it as something that you do to be in the in group, and that's kind of what I feared um, as I began to contemplate the thought of doing a message on baptism. And as I recall, I even remember thinking about it, that, you know, all the years the pastor was here, I never really gave much more thought and so forth to baptism in a, you know, significant way, I guess, um, because he was always covering it, if you will. You know what I mean? And Uh so you sometimes don't feel like you need to do something because someone's covering it. But after about three years after he passed away, I'm like, you know, I don't really think that we've got somebody continuing to really convey the, you know, the process of thought that needs to go into something like this commitment to be baptized and this covenant that one makes before God. And so it... It just hit me one day and I began to go through the Bible and and write down the notes and stuff from the Bible about baptism and formulated it into a message to try to cover some of the things that I know people objected to, some of the you know, thoughts people have about infant baptism being their baptism and and tried to cover some of those things so that someone might have some help now maybe it's not exhaustive in nature, but I believe it would be helpful and I don't specifically know of any messages that I could I uh, have pretty much divested myself of anything dealing with scriptures for America but I was going to my office and get discarding some other stuff this past uh, month and uh, I uh, did uh come across the two thousand and eleven s f a uh resource catalog and um so I've just grabbed it off my shelf here to look at it and unfortunately, they didn't really categorize a lot of things in it that i they did in some respects, so i it's just not easy to find the way they did it. They have all the messages by number at first and then They have some service message albums. Sorry, I'm flipping some pages. Um, I don't know if there's anything specifically that I can go to on, um, that I can point her to. Oh, here, audio message indexed by subject. Baptism. Um, So if you have a resource catalog from SFA, they've got, let's see, three, six, nine there's about 12 messages on a line and they've got five lines uh, so there was about 50 50 different messages that have something to do with baptism redemption or salvation so I don't know which one of those would be best or anything else but if you don't have the resource catalog I could give you the tape numbers uh, from the catalog that I have and you could see about Googling the, the number online and seeing if you can come up with it, or I can see if it's in my archives and get you to a specific. And if I have some time, sometime in the future, I'll try to take those messages and go through them and mark the ones that are specifically dealing with baptize, baptism, and then I'll see if I have them in my archives of his messages. And if I do, then I'll keep them in a little baptism folder or something and. Uh, You know, give them to people as they inquire. But in the meantime, uh, I don't think my messages are probably anything like pastors' messages, but hopefully they would be helpful nonetheless. So, but that was, I guess, on that thought. So, what else is on
1: the line? I
0: have a real, real
1: Big thought about what's going on in our country Uh, These people that are going fanatic right now It would seem like to me They don't Their problem's not with the confederacy Or statues I don't think they like Christians I well, that's it's all about tearing down a white Christian. Well, I mean, I think that's a, that's uh that's their real problem. It's not with the South. They don't like the Christian ways, and they want to change it. And they well, got to do that to conquer the country. Yeah, yeah. Tear exactly. down the ancient foundations. Uh huh, and and it looks like to me that somebody's captured this new president. I don't know any other way to put it. Uh, he well, he made was... he made remark after remark after remark when he was running for office about all these things, such as war. No win wars. And somebody's got to him. That's possible.
0: Well, I think I know exactly who's got to him. (laughs) The money changers? Exactly. I mean, it's the Judaizers, it's the lawless ones, it's those who continue to position themselves around the administrative body of our people.
1: Bannon and said people, it was the son-in-law just,
0: and the daughter. Hold on. Yeah, right. Hold on now. Just think about it. Look at all the people that are no longer in the administration that could have had the possibility of keeping him attuned to the Christian way as opposed to the Judaized way. Uh-huh. And suddenly everybody around him are the Judaized way. Yep. This this Secretary of State, uh Tilson or Tier, whatever his name is.
1: Yeah. Tillerson. Um
0: Tillerson. He comes out and says the same th- the things that he says as if the things that Donald Trump said weren't sufficient about uh-huh. the activities that went on in Virginia. Um so, the people that have bowed out or have been relieved of duty um, are are being relieved of duty, I would say, because the wicked ones, those who love lawlessness, and those who are in fact bent on our destruction, remember in Zechariah, God said that he would take the candlestick from them well. These Judaizers who believe that they are of Judah, which predominantly they are not at all and don't even claim to today to be a remnant of Judah, these Uh guys want to take the candlestick from God's people. And what it just boggles the mind is how, in spite of God's word toward his people, Israel, and his his willingness to forgive them and his willingness to bring them back into the covenant with them, into covenant with them, um, these people still believe that God will cast them off completely, cast them away. And this is why they continue to push for a socialized way of life that, that they have taught throughout the ages In their traditions of the elders. They are the ones who Christ said, you know, you guys disobey the law because of the traditions. So here we are faced with another president who's got all the Judaizers surrounding him, including in his own house. And that was my first dislike about the man, is that he did not understand, you know, what his wife or his daughter was doing and all his comment was as well I, I didn't expect that but you know okay I guess it's okay well that tells you he's not grounded in his own self to understand you know that there is a people destined by God to be and are commissioned to be the blessing to the world and it certainly is not those that she's thrown her hand in with. And so they're all around it.
1: Yeah, his logic about wanting to return Afghanistan to girls in miniskirts is baffling to me. I didn't hear that one. Yeah, his, well, it <laughs> uh, back back in, uh, what was it, the 50s? Uh, when they had a king in Afghanistan and some somewhat uh, normal, whatever you want to call normal, but they had teenagers that dressed worldly and listened to worldly music. Those were the good old days. And uh, he just wants to liberate them. Uh, No more burkas for you, huh? Yeah, it's a no-win war. It doesn't even make sense. It does oh, not does a, Yeah, it makes a lot of sense if you're selling the army weapons. Yeah, well, I mean, and it, compare it with well, North Korea. Well,
0: again, yeah, again, why does it make sense to have war with Afghanistan? It's because of Israel.
1: Israel wants war with Afghanistan. And they want that because they profit.
0: They, it serves their purpose geographically. Yeah. And war Perfect. always profits. They always profit from war.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: That makes sense, doesn't it?
1: Uh huh. And that would explain why we are in Iraq, and that would explain why we're we're in Syria as well. Uh, somebody needs some hard guns, don't they, Doug?
0: Yeah. Um. See, is see the Judaizers know how to use the Israelites to bring about their purposes and all the while try to make the Israelites believe they're doing the work of God. Yeah, <laughs> they're real good at that, aren't they? And when you when you understand that and understand that is their reasoning behind the things that they do, then all of these things make perfect sense. It all falls right in line because Israel is trying to solidify the region under its control. If not under its control outwardly, certainly under its control through its controlling agents. And who are the controlling agents?
1: Well, Israelites.
0: You know, we are used to do the purposes of the Judaizers. Yeah, and
1: really—they really, really stand up and show their hand, don't they? Can you imagine? Actually, yeah. Can you imagine that nut from South Carolina, Lindsey? Was it Lindsey Graham? Yeah. Can you imagine somebody telling him? Put on your backpack and go over there and wander around in the hills, Lindsey. Did you see his pathetic speech about how much he loves Mr. President Trump now? Because his president's uh, eyes have been opened? Yeah.
0: you remember yeah, how well,
1: vile and ha- the hatred he had for Trump? Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's falling in love with him overnight. Over one speech.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and McCain seems,
1: comes right in. Yeah. And Mitch, Mitch yeah. McDonald. It's all the usual suspects, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. And, and why... Now, let's carry it one, one leg further. Why is it that Mitch McConnell, McCain, and Lindsey Graham, and many of the others are so enamored by this type of decision and presidential like, and the reason is where are the donations coming from for these men and where have they come from every politician who goes to Washington does not get there by his own means if you are not part of the group that is going to get the money Uh and you have backing of the press to get the money to you, you're uh-huh. not going to be, you're not going to become an administrative leader. And those right. who do slip through the crack occasionally, uh, ostensibly slip through the crack occasionally, which I would even throw Ted Cruz in this camp, because uh-huh. he, he's so he's so fired up behind Judaism himself as well, the Judaizers. Uh-huh that that he himself, you know, gives you significant pause because he either does not understand world history and certainly does not understand biblical history, but this is the case with all of our people. So um, that's my point is that even a guy like Ted Cruz who ostensibly slips through the crack, um, you know, he didn't get there but by the backing and the money of of somebody that, you know, could make that possible. It used yep. to be that in Wyoming, you know, a guy could get there on his own. But once Senator Al Simpson got in there and got his reelection thing going and his campaign coffers, that guy never left until he was too old to fart. Yeah. And
1: uh, the one fellow that stood up and said this is wrong was uh was it Rand Paul or what's his name? Was it a guy Ron the Paul. Well Ron's his daddy. Yeah. Uh um, I didn't I didn't
0: see I didn't see any of this that you're talking about with Lindsey Graham or anything either. I haven't paid attention to anything for the last three or four days, so well
1: Uh, This senator from Tennessee, I guess, uh, Paul, he said this is the wrong move. People will die. Americans will die. Americans will spend money they don't have, and there will be no victory. This will be prolonged. Yep. The way we do warfare, doesn't it? Yeah, and Lindsey Graham comes on behind him and says, you're a traitor. You're not fit to be a senator. And just, just tore him a new one. And and then at the end of that little spout, feud, he said, you're, it's people like you that are responsible for 9-11. Now, if that isn't an adversary to the word of God, I don't know what is. He's got quite a problem, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so we've got this war going on in America on many fronts, don't we? Many fronts. Just chipping away. Chipping away now with the football teams, the basketball teams. Why doesn't somebody tell the NFL to stick it up their anal orifice? Well, they might be voting with the with the the uh tickets this year.
0: I heard that the
1: universe the University of Missouri through Freedom of Information Act was down thirty percent in football attendance, basketball attendance, student attendance, grades across the board ever since they made their little demands a couple of years ago. Uh, where the the football team went on strike, and they fired the
0: president and tore down all the monuments.
1: So, uh, well,
0: you see, gentlemen, when there's civil unrest in a country, there's nothing better than than to get morale up is to have a good war that they can sink their cause into. So, makes sense again, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, everybody chimes right in. Well, it's got to be done. We got to yep, fight ISIS.
0: Yep. We're, gonna make, the a- the we're
1: gonna make the world. We're gonna make the
0: world safe for democracy.
1: Lindsey said that same old tired lie. He said if we don't go over there now and fight them, we'll be fighting them over here.
0: Then I say let's just fight them over here before they ever make the shore. <laughs> Well,
1: but isn't he saying we're going to have to fight them no matter what? So why don't we just save the money? Yeah, and make them come over here. Transportation costs cost alone would save billions. I think they're already here. I think they are, too. I think they're running our government. This guy named Bezos and all these weird-named billionaires... Who is this Martian? Did I lose
0: you? No.
1: I mean I'm, these are some yeah. these are, these are some weird characters like from another planet. They could be. Yeah. But they think they're dictating terms. And to some extent, I guess they are.
0: Well, they are. I mean, they're children that love wickedness. They've rejected God. They've rejected his authority because they have got these riches by their own authority. See? And therefore, there's no place for God. There's no place for the creator. There's no place for the divine... um, immutable laws. Uh, These people are the laws unto themselves, and the only thing that takes them down is the righteousness of Christ. It's the same thing we're dealing with in our own country as we started out this conversation tonight. If the country could recognize that their watchmen, their administrative watchmen, have failed them, Their adjudicative watchmen have failed to watch over the administration and the ecclesiastical watchmen have failed to watch over both of them and that it is within our power and our ability for the cause is just as David said as he ran toward Goliath with a sling in his hand is not the cause just and the cause is they curse our God, they destroy our nation, they infiltrate, and they tear down. And I think our people are seeing it. I think our people are recognizing it. But what a diversion is to take the people's minds off of the civil strife at home and put their focus back on an enemy far, far away that they've never seen or understood to this day. But isn't that yeah.
1: the way it's always been done? Think about it. WW1 get their mind off the Federal Reserve. Yep. Get the, get their mind off taxes. That's for the rich. Uh WW2 um uh, Get their mind off the uh, financial crisis, so-called. Bring us all together to fight the common enemy. To, to our brethren,
0: our brethren, the Germans.
1: To my, to my, uh, to my knowledge, what I still don't know what Germany did to us to cause us to go to war. Uh. They say that uh I guess was it world War one that that they thanked the Lusitania, and that's why we had to get involved, but there was no yeah. single there was no event for World War two except for a agreement with Japan now, maybe Lusitania was World War two I think World War one the uh they killed Archduke Ferdinand or something. Yeah, it, wasn't, Austria, it wasn't worth going to war for. But I mean that's a pretty, pretty weak reason to go to war. We got a guy shooting missiles at us now and we tolerate him. Shooting missiles out in the bay or out in the ocean. We don't seem to have a real problem with him because he's China's friend and China fights for real don't they? Yep. Well, he didn't do a very good shot. He hasn't hit anything yet, has he? No. But he sure knows how to rattle a sword. Well, there's always got to be a boogeyman to substantiate your government. Yeah. And he's just shooting them out into the ocean, isn't he? He hasn't hit anybody. Yeah, it was we're, a real lousy shot or something. Were you guys surprised at all the coverage that they gave the eclipse? Yeah, it didn't even look that good from where we were. No, we didn't even notice it here. Did I didn't really see it. We pulled up some water goggles and looked at it with telescopes.
0: The pictures they were showing—they were showing it got completely dark.
1: Yeah, you had to be just in the right area within—I don't know, seventy miles or something—to really get the good clips. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess what I'm getting at is they'll take just about anything and and make a firestorm deal out of it so you gotta go get your Eclipse t shirts and you gotta have an Eclipse party and you stop work and you gotta go buy your Eclipse glasses. Oh See come it? on
0: Russ that's up <laughs> Russell you made you made some money off of those eclipse t shirts didn't you? <laughs>
1: Actually I didn't
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to make any Eclipse t-shirts, huh? No. I thought there was some place in Texas they had on that uh, on that news ditty that I saw yesterday sometime. They were in Nashville.
1: Nashville is the biggest city that saw it, is what I heard.
0: So. Yeah, I heard Oregon was a big splash. Washington, Oregon area was a big splash. I guess Wyoming, um, I have a sister in Casper, and I guess right near that is where a couple of these towns were that they had on Nightline. Uh, and uh, I caught a few minutes of their little thing on Nightline last night. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it made a big story, and and they got to got to run around and look at the common folk and how they were so intrigued by God's creation. They took a few minutes out to 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 look at the creation. So had to make a story about it, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to call it a night, yeah. Yeah, I'm running out of telephone power here, too.
0: Well, all right, gentlemen. I guess we should uh, find a way to close in prayer. Rich, uh, Russell, any one of you guys want to close us out in prayer?
1: Yeah, sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful country you've given us. Help us
0: not to blow it.
1: Lord God Give wisdom to our leaders and death to our enemies. We glorify and praise you, Father, and those that hate you and hate us. Let your wrath fall down upon them. In the name of Jesus, Amen. we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Good night, guys. Good night. All right, man. Good night, everyone. Good night.